0: all right welcome back to the green mountain sports roundup i am Ernesto Sanchez and i'm here with john downing and marty griffin and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports gentlemen how are we doing today it's been a long time we had a an unexpected bye week last week. Life happens. And uh, so, how are we doing this week?
1: Pretty good. Everything is in its place, finally. It only took 14 weeks for everything to come right in the football world for me, personally. So, I'm good.
0: How many playoffs did you make uh, in fantasy this year?
1: Six out of eight. And I advanced in all six that, I, that made the playoffs. So, nice. I'm in the final four and six. Good uh, for what you. about you?
0: We backed into the playoffs. Uh, we lost in this last week, but we, we had some tiebreakers. I think we're going to get fucking smoked now, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's been a good run, you know, good uh, $200 spent.
2: I played in zero this year, so I'm 100%. Does that make me a good like sports like, <laughs> podcaster? Because I didn't fucking play in a
1: goddamn thing?
0: Uh, well, it certainly and... made you a smart human.
1: And we have an NBA draft (laughs) with Elliott's League NBA draft coming up Sunday night.
0: Oh, shout out to the Zag. Yeah. Okay, well, tons to talk about today, so uh, let's get right into it. It is episode 64, so I'd love to hear your 64s. Marty, you want to go first?
2: There is no 64 in the NBA. I couldn't find a goddamn thing. In the NFL, nor do I know what I found in the NHL that made sense to me. So my 64 is just the common knowledge to spread to you that there is no 64 in the NBA.
0: Hey. In the history
1: of the NBA. In the history. Absolutely. So.
0: Yeah, kind of a trash number. Yeah. Johnny.
1: So mom wanted me to throw out there that my mother and father are both aged 64. Hey. It's their number. So.
0: Shout out to mom and dad.
1: Shout out to mom and dad. And then for football-wise, there's a Hall of Fame offensive guard who played for a long time with the Minnesota Vikings, Randall McDaniel. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009. Um, that's it. As far as 64 goes, it was slim pickings. You looked at baseball. Like Marty said, basketball, there was no one ever. Baseball, it was almost the same. Almost nobody ever. Like It was... Very dry for number 64 in baseball. Well, and then well, football as well. Like the only <laughs> guy who played more. There was two guys that played over 100 games. Number 64, Jerry Kramer and Randall McDaniel. That's it.
0: Well, I think there are three guys because I'm about to talk about Jeffrey Allen Hardings. Uh, who. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Super Bowl champion in Super Bowl XL. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro First team All-American, 162 games, scored a touchdown. So go fuck yourself. Um, Who are you talking to? The world. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, no, he was under center for Big Ben uh, when they won their first one in 2005. Penn State guy, Pennsylvania guy. 92 games, Nesto. 92 games. 162 games, sir.
1: Jeff Hardings?
0: Yeah. At any rate, uh, Super Bowl champion, obviously being the center, the captain of the line there, huge part of that team, huge part of that win. So I
1: got it. I got it. I figured it out. I deducted it. because So I, I clicked on it. I got more information. And you are right. It's 162 career games. But I think the issue comes in is the games that he actually wore number 64, which is 92 games that he played with Pittsburgh. Ah,
0: uh, different
1: okay. number on Detroit.
0: There we are. There, there you go. go. Thanks
2: right. to our stat department. <laughs> okay, well, six, so, six, yeah. 60, 64 was dry as my grandmother on her 50th anniversary. It's okay.
0: Hey, We're good man, to go. this guy was the 23rd pick in the draft at a, at a Penn State. So <laughs> he, was, he was big news around Pennsylvania. I was very aware of his existence. So um, my number 64, Jeff Harding's. Okay, boys, I think it's been about three weeks, three, four weeks since we've done one of these. So, Johnny, how about a quick Kyrie rant?
1: All right, so this from Kyrie Irving last Friday when announcing that he wasn't going to be speaking to the media at all this year. The quote is, stop distracting me from me and my team and appreciate the art. We move different over here. Irving ends his statement saying, he doesn't talk to pawns, and that his attention is worth more. So, what do you say to that? If you his, are his, his, his
2: attention is worth more to who? His attention well, is worth more to the team, the organization,
1: himself.
0: Himself.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I get that, but like, and the Nets are
1: pioneer in what fucking way? So, he, Michelangelo, Beethoven, Kyrie Irving.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. He's an artist on the court, and we just gotta let him paint and paint on his canvas and I just what really struck me is it he's belittling the media and like if you're going to be a decent human being in life like don't go around belittling people and making other people feel bad and that's exactly what he's doing here is he's making the media people feel like they're less than and that their job isn't important it's not important enough for he they get to have any of his attention this year so but part of your contract as an NBA player is to talk to the media that that's part of the contract. That's part of the deal. LeBron James has kind of mastered that over the years, but Kyrie Irving apparently is going to be taking those fines and he's hoping the money goes to a good charity, but I just don't understand how this guy can go on being like this and it be allowed to to be this way in the NBA. And then Saturday night, Saturday night he goes on Instagram live with Kevin Durant, and they oh. sounded like the Doback brothers from Step Brothers—just absolute clowns,
0: fucking you know? smelling and each other's farts and stuff.
1: Seriously, and Kyrie, like, oh, I'm gonna post up underneath the basket eight times a game, four per half, and Kevin Durant's like, uh, yeah, maybe not. Let's hold off on that. So it's already seems like it—it it could be a shit show in in, in Brooklyn for those Nets, but there, I mean, the talent's there, but.
0: Yeah, it takes more than talent to win though. You need professionalism and maturity and good attitude. There's 13 other guys on that fucking team and mm. to watch these people go out there and just make asses of themselves, they're not going to want to play for them. It takes more than two guys.
1: And so the rest of the team now after each and every game, whether it be a tough loss where there was a he didn't get the ball late in the game or he didn't pass the ball or whatever whatever happens mind you, in the game. So now Kyrie's not going to talk about it to the pawns of the the media after the game, and he's going to let his teammates talk for him. And he's saying that he wants to control the narrative. That's part of his whole plan here. You can't control the narrative if you're not going to talk to the media. You're You're letting the narrative be controlled for you.
0: I tell really? you what the narrative yeah. is going to be too. The narrative is going to be Kyrie Irving's a fucking asshole and, and is poisoning well, this team because that's all they're that's all they're giving them. And if the media turns on you, public opinion will follow very quickly. David Aldridge. It's just
2: going to be when he wants to talk about what good he's done for the game or the league. In that moment, yes, when things go bad, he's going to go silent. That is not being a hero. That is not being. A pioneer for your teammates or the game—that is being a fucking coward, and that's what he does well.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. And so, like you, like you were saying, with the media, top members of the media are already coming out and have been critical of Kyrie Irving since then. David Aldridge had a had a response yeah, saying one that one of my
2: most respected guys. He's awesome,
1: right? I mean, David Aldridge has been on. TNT for it forever, you know, 30 years since, you know, Michael Jordan's early days. He's been on the broadcasts doing sideline reporting. And he was saying that that's fine. Kyrie doesn't want to do the media. Well, when award season comes, a lot of the awards in the NBA are decided by media people. Mm -hmm. So when he doesn't get elected or chosen for any of the awards or someone from his team doesn't get elected or chosen for any of the awards, don't come crying to the media if you're going to ignore us now. So... He Can see, ownership do anything like about so it? But they're afraid to. That's the problem. You, they Brooklyn was has been Brooklyn, the Nets, the Nets have been the Nets for how, how how long, right? And they finally get their stars to come, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And so now you know that they're afraid to tell them or put them in their place and to tell them how it should be, because they're just thankful that they're they're there playing for their team and making their team semi-relevant again. And he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, and I think that's one of the many things that bugs me about him. And he's not smarter than everyone else. He's actually dumber than everyone else. And he puts that on a display almost on a weekly basis. It's interesting, and this is not going to land
2: anywhere on a professional level whatsoever when I talk about it. But, like, basketball is my favorite sport to play. I, I've played it all my life. I just remember looking back on playing with teams and looking at guys. And I remember, like, playing with really good players and being like, give me the ball. The offense runs through me. This is my show. This is my team. This is my school. And I've always remembered, like, loving playing on a team that I felt more involved in. And, like, I felt like I players were on my side. We're all fighting for a common goal rather than playing for two people just for their stats and their notoriety. And I feel like this with the Nets is going to fall through very quickly sometime between the latter first half or maybe the middle of the season. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see how this plays out well for anybody in the Nets organization, starting from the top and going to the bottom. I don't know how this plays out. I don't
1: see it being good whatsoever. I agree. I mean, if, if you... Had to say that the Nets are going to implode or win a championship. I would put my money on implode and somebody demand a trade at some point. And that's somebody probably being Kevin Durant being like, get me out of here. So something something's going to happen. There's no way that that team can coexist with that clown Because he he's just a a destroyer of all things. Be a point where
2: Durant either has to separate himself and walk away, and Kyrie dies alone, or or Durant goes down with the ship with him, and and both their careers die. It's it's a big season for Durant because if he wants to get six to seven more years out of those legs after that injury, he has to play well. But it, it, it it's a huge huge lean on. Kyrie and how he plays out this season, and if
1: and so think about if they were to get James Harden after what we've learned about James Harden recently and how he's been a team killer in Houston and what he demands from the Rockets organization. Imagine if he went to the Nets and added to that mix. That would be that. That would almost be fun to see, just to witness that volcanic it, eruption. It, it's like that the coming.
2: Like a... It's like the coming together of Destiny's Child again. Like who's gonna blow up Beyonce out of that group?
0: It might be fun. Yeah, it might be fun. Sounds like a really expensive shit show.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we already leaned into Harden, so we just keep going on this fucking fuck stick right here.
1: So if you watched the Celtics game last night against the 76ers, which was their first preseason game of the year, Celtics broadcaster Cedric Maxwell intimated numerous times that he thought Harden was going to the Sixers based on something that he knew. And, and the way that Doc Rivers, the new Sixers coach, played Ben Simmons was sparingly and not really with Embiid, almost as if to be keeping Simmons healthy. So I wonder if it's Simmons and the three first-round picks, which is what the Rockets want, for Harden to go to Philadelphia and play with Embiid. Because, yeah, so we're sliding into the Harden conversation here. As we know, Harden was late to training camp. For the Houston Rockets this year, because he was spending time at the strip clubs with a rapper named Lil Baby.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know Lil Baby. <laughs> but know he Lil was Lil at the strip club with James Harden. In. Apparently, James Harden had COVID. Um, if you saw the pictures of James Harden before the game last night, he looked like he was on the Downing offseason workout little, plan, which is to like not work out baby. at all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of NBA 2K.
1: Yeah, and Reese's late at night, and yeah, (laughs) very little exercise. But also, then there was the report that came out today about how Harden's kind of been holding the Houston Rockets franchise hostage the last few years, uh, demanding the team make moves, and then they make the moves, and it doesn't work out because Harden's always holding things up, whether it be team meetings, whether it be team buses, whether it be planes, travel plans, because he wants to spend extra time in cities with good strip clubs. And it's basically he's just running amok in Houston. And now Houston has kind of put their foot down and said, no more. And Harden, obviously, is demanding a trade. And it sounds like it could happen, but, I mean, we're kind of just in a limbo moment right now.
2: This goes back, Johnny, to even like last year when we are scratching our heads midseason,
1: like letting go of centers
2: and going this with this six-seven and smaller top fastball, like shoot it up, get back, pressure the situation, be offensive, try to score 120 because defensively, you know, you're not going to keep an opponent under 100 points and, and trying to change that narrative. And, in some ways, I want to hold completely hardened accountable for the situation, but, but shame on the organization as well. Like, what, what do you want to go into? What do you want to be? How do you want to identify as an organization? And once you open that window for, let, for letting that player create that situation, you've lost, and that's where they sit right now. They're at a complete loss, and as more time goes by, as far as, like, getting value for the trade, it's screwed. Absolutely screwed.
1: Right, the value that they're going to get in return is, seems to be going down by the day. Is there any chance we see Wall, Harden, and Cousins play together this year? And does, no. it work out, does it work out well if they do? I don't think so. Not sure. Who knows?
2: But, I mean, this is the NBA right now, and we don't know. But I do think when he hits the floor, he's always going to be that motivated player to get his points and score. So offensively, they will be there. I just don't know how happy the other players will be and what they will contribute in the aspect of the offense. And that will be the downfall of the Rockets until this trade goes through.
0: Any other thoughts from the first couple days of this new basketball season that they are embarking on?
1: Well, I did watch the Celtics game last night and I know everyone says, well, we got to give it time. We got to let them play out. We got to see how it plays out and everything. And. We don't have that luxury. That's all I'm saying is we just got to call it as we see it because we have a show to do. We have content to put out. We got to put our opinions out there weekly is what what our show requires or what we do. So my opinion after one preseason game last night is the Celtics are in big time trouble. I I think when Jason Tatum is not on the floor, the Celtics have major issues. Losing Gordon Hayward, I think, was a bigger blow than we realized. Even though he got hurt, broke his finger today on his shooting hand, so he's going to be out for a little while. Kemba's knees are a major problem. I'm not sure when we see Kemba play again, and if we do, for how long he can stay on the court. So for all intents and purposes right now, it is the Jalen and Jason show. So it seems, it appears, that Jason Tatum is going to be a superstar in the NBA, or at least a top 10 player. Like I said, ESPN has Tatum as the 11th best player in the league in their top players for this year. And if the Celtics want to go anywhere, I think he needs to get into the top three at some point soon. To go the anywhere,
0: they've been in three of the last four Eastern Conference finals. They can go anywhere
1: in Boston. We do championships.
0: Oh, Jesus,
1: right? So the it's Lakers, well, listen, 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 listen. The Lakers just won their 17th NBA championship which which tied the the Boston Celtics so it's winning time all right no no more finishing fourth place like fourth place is cute but that's not what the Celtics are about or or that organizationally they celebrate the championships so guess what we have to hold them to that same high standard right so watching the game i thought that Tatum looks like he's going to be good but when he's not on the floor they're in trouble I think that Jalen Brown, he was forcing the game and forcing the issue last night. He doesn't need to force his shots now because Gordon Hayward's not there. Kemba's not there. He can just make the right basketball play now and let the game come to him. He doesn't need to be forcing the action, which is what he had to do in the past, because when he got the ball in the past, he had to do something with it to make himself be noticed. Part of the team is his now, so he has to just make the right basketball play and live with that, not be forceful. And I think that's a problem. I mean, so Tatum and Brown shot five for 24 last night, not a good start. Granted, it was a preseason game, but they played the Sixers and I thought the Sixers looked good. I thought with Doc Rivers being the new coach, I thought that they were in a lot of high pick and rolls action, which is something i wondered why they didn't do for a long time, but it was like a ridiculous amount of high pick and roll. And I think if they get James Harden, then they're all set up for that a Harden and bead pick and roll offense. And I think it'll work well because they have they have shooters like Seth Curry and Danny Green big, on the team.
2: Big pickup. Seth Curry, I thought was a big pickup for them. Right,
1: and if they right, so even if they don't get Harden, they have Simmons and they can still pass the ball to Danny Green and Steph Curry, and they'll be in good shape. And they got Dwight Howard to be the backup center to Embiid, which is it's good as well. So the Sixers look good. The Celtics did not. When Tatum's not on the court, they are in trouble. Jalen Brown. I'm not sure that he can be the second best player on the championship caliber team. He might be a third best player. I know that their guys, Jalen is only 23 and Tatum is 22, but they've been in the league for three and four years now. And it's time. I'm tired of hearing about potential with the Celtics team and being so close. Like, but I'm afraid it's going the other way.
0: All right. And that should probably be all we right. talk about preseason basketball. That's
2: <laughs> <laughs> So easy. so easy to get fucking wrapped up in it.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. There's a ton to come, but also a uh, little bit out of your realm, Marty, but uh, it's definitely got me six to midnight it was recently announced that NHL is coming in the new year. January 13th, my Bubba's birthday. <laughs> the NHL is uh, set to start their 56-game schedule, uh, complete with division realignments, because Canada doesn't want any fucking Americans
1: Mm-mm. to cross
0: their borders. Until so like, the can I ask you out. a
1: question? So that's just like we mentioned before. That's just going to be the Canadian teams playing the Canadian teams, right?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's going to be all of these teams staying in division. Yeah, so this is going to be a really interesting year that I think we could really come out of this with some fierce rivalries. But uh, let me get through it real quick. The Canadian division will be the Canadiens, the Canucks, the Flames, the Jets, the Maple Leafs, the Oilers, and the Senators. Uh, I'm actually really excited about this next division, the Bruins, the Sabres, the Devils, the islanders the rangers the flyers the penguins and the capitals oh my Ooh. god johnny that is going to be fucking insane I don't, even, I, I, don't even, I don't even watch it
2: Joe. All, that's right. Fucking, that's all right all
0: right there. chill your tits out <laughs> <laughs> because i think the capitals are gonna have a lot to say uh about not that. without hope
1: not without hope B. I,
0: I don't know they got a lot of confidence in their new guy We'll see what they have, but the Rangers are a completely new team uh, now that Lunquist is gone. Maybe they can uh, sh- shed some of that old baggage. But and, and don't overlook the Flyers either. As much as yeah, I, as yeah. much as I hate to say it, they are uh, definitely on the come up. Okay, moving to the next division: the Hurricanes, the Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Panthers, the Wild, the Predators, and the Lightning. Have you ever heard of a more Mm. unequal unfair yeah, thing ever the lightning are going to they might have 60 wins and keep in mind it's a three-game season games <laughs> and then we have the ducks coyotes avalanche stars kings sharks blues and golden knights which is actually going to be so division. much fun to watch uh yes. some really up-and-coming teams there avs
1: avalanche
0: the, the avs the stars the
1: stanley cup favorites
0: the Blues, the Golden Knights, yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna be uh, wild there. Uh, Tampa Bay is gonna fucking completely clean up. It's kind of a pick 'em in the other divisions, but lots of great hockey to come, and I can't wait to see. It's just, it's going to be a season like none other. All right. Well, um, next up, we have just a couple things we want to talk about. Obviously, we missed Week thirteen. But a couple big games that we did want to touch on. We had the Browns beating the Titans 41 to 35. I did not expect this result. And there was a feeling like, oh shit, are the Browns for real? That it was well, a very validating win for them. And Baker Mayfield looked good in this game. He
1: was tremendous in that game. But the Titans have been a kind of Jekyll and Hyde team this year, losing. To the Jaguars, beating good teams, then losing to bad teams. So it's hard to really know what you're gonna get with the Titans every week. But the, yeah, the I thought the Browns were they are good. When they when they run the ball and use their offensive line, I think they're solid. Their defense is already oh it is a little porous other than the defensive line, which is obviously very good with Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. But I think a lot of it comes down to Baker Mayfield and how he plays, and in that game he played tremendous.
2: I mean, that was such a weird game, though. You're talking; they were up 38, mm. or, yeah, 38 to seven at halftime, and this they wanted 40, to blow it. And this is 41 35. They got very, very just laid back. And well, oh, you got and, a Cleveland and,
0: Browns it up.
2: Well, well, yeah, in a way, and it's just, and then you go back and scratch your head. You look at the the stat lines. You see the garbage time with Tanner Hill, 389 for three TDs, but with Derrick Henry only getting 60 yards. This is kind of a throwback, Johnny, to like early two thousand to late 90s football where you were literally with this team living and dying by the run. Henry's got to get more than 120 yards a game for you to feel relevant that you're going to win with this team.
0: Uh, we'll get to this week in a second.
2: No, no, no. I'm talking, I'm talking about that <laughs> No, game. I know. I'm, about I know. That I'm game. just
0: making a joke. Well, <laughs> okay, yeah, because
2: that happened. Yes, they, 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 <laughs> they adjusted. Yes, let's see where you're going there now.
0: All right, the next game, the Giants upsetting the Seahawks. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. The Giants, at this point, I believe, going uh, on a four-win streak there. Yeah, Uh, Colt McCoy. Yeah, at this point, solidified Russ getting booted out of the MVP conversation. I mean, he's thrown so many friggin' interceptions this year, it's, it's insane.
1: Colt McCoy from? Texas.
2: There you go, baby. Long on.
1: Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that.
0: (laughs) Fucker. All right. uh, Next up, I thought I had a good fantasy play here. I started the Chargers defense uh, thinking, wow, the Pats are really struggling to score. This is going (laughs) to be a nice nice play. The Patriots uh, in one of the biggest blowouts this year, 45 to nothing. Well, and then... Uh, Well, more bad times to come with the Washington football team beating the Steelers 23 to 17. Johnny, have you ever seen a time clock at the end of the game get stopped for administrative reasons? And then he's like talking about the K ball. Turns out uh, Mr. Smith walked off the field uh, with the ball and it fucked everyone up.
2: Which if he he knew that was a brilliant, brilliant move. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, that was tough to, tough to swallow.
1: And how about the comeback by the Redskins on that game, ending the Steelers' undefeated season? The Steelers were 11 and 0 at the time. It was Monday night game, the early Monday night game, and the Steelers got up early, thing 14-3, and then 17-3, and then all of a sudden the Redskins started doing some things and. The Steelers couldn't do anything anymore, especially offensively. They were struggling and they were without Connor in that game. And, and, pouncy. Well, and Pouncy, and before you know you knew it, the, the Redskins tied it up late and then got the but ball you- back on an interception tip ball and then kicked kicked a winning field goal to go ahead. And, and then they kicked an insurance field goal after that. And how about the Redskins helping out the seventy two Dolphins?
0: Football team. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: football team. Yes,
0: and the injuries keep mounting for the Steelers, and it's starting to get ridiculous, and it's starting to become insurmountable. With with Bud Dupree going out, we've really become a one-dimensional defense. And then you have Joe Hayden in this game go out with a concussion. It's just you start becoming easy to scheme against. The whole point of this defense is the overwhelming talent and you don't know where it's coming from and you can't stop everybody so somebody always gets through so and and i think we saw uh more of that this week so without further ado johnny let's get into our fraud of the week
1: this week's fraud of the week we saw them play on sunday night football and it is The Pittsburgh Steelers, surprise, 11-0 to 11-2, just like that. They were the team we thought that could give Kansas City Chiefs (laughs) a run for their money this year and stop the Mahomes train. We had high hopes for them, and then they've just come crashing down to earth, losing a home game to the Redskins slash football team. And then losing to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo this past Sunday night, 26 to 15. And suddenly the offense is just Dead. the running the running game is non-existent. We knew that Gone. they don't we knew that they didn't have explosive playmakers or explosive offense because their twenty plus yard plays offensively just haven't been there, aside from I think there was one against Washington where James Washington went for 50 yards off. Of, that was a short pass and then a long run missed tackle. And I think that may be why they're playing James Washington instead of Claypool is they want more explosive plays, but they're dropping balls offensively. Deontay Johnson across the middle is dropping balls. Got uh, benched
0: so. for a whole half. seven, seven yeah.
1: drops over two weeks, right? Big Ben's not playing very well. And like you said, the defense is just loaded with injuries, which you know you can't blame anyone for it. injuries happen but it's put a lot of pressure on someone like TJ Watt to be the a big playmaker and if he doesn't make a big play then you know they're susceptible and unfortunately you know in the last game right before halftime Big Ben throws an interception that was returned for a pick 6 and that kind of turned the momentum in Buffalo's favor and now from the Steelers being looking like they were going to be the one seed with the bye home field against Kansas City in the playoffs and with a good chance to take them down now, I mean, before the Monday night game, Cleveland was only one game behind the Steelers. So if they had beaten Baltimore, they would have had a chance to get the division from the Steelers. But now since Cleveland lost, the division looks safe for the Steelers, but it doesn't look like the Steelers will get a buy anymore, which maybe that's a good thing. It's no, long not. gone. That's long gone, right? But they they did have the tiebreaker against the Chiefs when they were at one loss. So they're only a loss behind. And the Chiefs played the Saints at the Saints this week. So there's a chance that the Chiefs could lose their second. And the Steelers would have two losses. There's still a chance. There's still hope. But I'm just saying it's a shame and it's fraudulent because, man, we had high hopes for the Steelers team. And now suddenly we're like, oh.
0: What's the Johnny, what's the second tiebreaker? Because I know the first tiebreaker is in conference losses. Well,
1: head to head. Head to head
0: first. Well, right, but there's there's not gonna be a head to head between them. And then in conference losses, the Steelers originally had the tiebreaker because their loss to the Washington football team was out of conference, and the Chiefs loss to the Raiders was in mm. conference. Now with the Steelers losing to the Bills in conference and the chiefs potentially losing to the saints uh, out of conference. What is our next
1: strength of opponent percentage?
0: Oh Jesus.
1: Yeah. So good good luck with that one. I mean, so as a Patriots fan, this is something (laughs) we I had to deal with over the years is figure, (laughs) figuring out these, these possibilities and these tiebreakers. And it was always fun. But as a Patriots fan, you no longer have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, so <laughs> so you can submerge yourself into that that stuff, Ernesto. But, yeah, it's a strength of opponent win percentage added up. And it changes on a week-to-week basis because it's not just who they're playing that week. You know, it's all the teams that they've played and their record changes. So, all I right. mean, it can change considerably on a week-to-week basis.
0: Well, I look forward to being a Saints fan this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well let us get into the rest of week 14. What a classic the the night before last, but the Monday night AFC North battle between the Browns and the Ravens was just a thing of beauty. You 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 can't ask for anything more than that in a football game. The Late comeback <laughs> by the Ravens. The dramatics of Lamar going out and coming back. The internet making up rumors that he was taking a massive shit and that that's what he was doing while he was back there. Apparently with was some kind of he harm. the Browns. Back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and both of these teams looked really Cleveland good
2: Cleveland steamers. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> but the Ravens do pull it out. 47-42. Marty, uh, they covered. I
1: just realized that's that late they, safety, they covered. that ridiculous yes! thing they covered. Yes! So if you had bet, you would have won. These have been some
2: crazy beats in the last few yeah. weeks with some of these two-point conversions and covers. I was yeah. just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, if you had Cleveland, oh, my at, God, you must have I'd been flushed.
1: Because <laughs> they, they were three-and-a-half-point underdogs, and that late 55 right. Tucker Kick put them up by three. And so you're like... Well, they're losers, but at least they cover. And then that stupid, ridiculous safety at the end of the game makes it a five-point.
2: Something like uh, nine TDs set a record since 1922 in the NFL for rushing TDs in one football game. You're looking at over, Jesus, 370 yards rushing between the two combined teams. And let's not – I mean – Johnny, like, I don't know, like, we talked about the week before in the first half with Baker, but, like, this game right here, I thought, in his young career, was, was his best. He had that, do I have a strong enough arm throw in, in, the, in the third quarter to see if he could beat the linebacker flowing back in the zone, and he got picked off right there, which really didn't hurt him in the long scheme, but I thought he played a brilliant game. This is a Browns team that scored 22 fucking points in the fourth quarter and still came up shy and lost. I mean, it was
1: a hell of a game, hell of a yeah, game. Yeah, this was, I think, so far the probably the game of the year in the NFL. I thought that the Ravens had it locked up when it was thirty-four to twenty in the third quarter, but Lamar Jackson leaves with the with the Cleveland Browns, and they have to go to the bathroom. Trace McSorley comes in, and the Browns come back. They score a touchdown. They were down by 14. They get the touchdown, and they go for two, which we've been discussing all year. This is the new thing in the NFL. If you're down by 14 and you score a Ana- touchdown, you go analytics. for two. Analytics. the analytics, you go for two, and they got the two. So then they were only down six. So the next time they scored, all they needed was the extra point to go up by one. And But they missed the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. No, did, did they hit that one?
2: They hit they, that one. They, they hit that a, one, they, so they, they were up it, one. They, they missed it early in the game. They missed it in the,
1: early in the third. Right. They Both the kickers had a missed yeah. extra point in this, in this affair. So it's fourth and five. McSorley gets hurt, and you're thinking the two-minute warning comes, and you're thinking that the Ravens are screwed here because who's their third-string quarterback? Not really sure. <laughs> and then they come back from the TV timeout, and here's Lamar Jackson Matt, miraculously back into the game, fourth and five, and throws it to – Marquise Hollywood Brown for the 45-yard touchdown, and they, they go ahead. And then with under two minutes to go, the Browns miraculously tie the game. And then there's enough time for the Ravens to come back and kick a 55-yard field goal. And then there's the safety that helps them cover the spreads. It was just a wild game.
0: Wildly awesome. entertaining.
2: And to a perspective, I, I couldn't even imagine like if you are a fan there, but for – Somebody listening, it fa- it sounded like a legit crowd at the game too. Like it those did. fans were loud and it. Yeah, into they were it. going nuts. And and they were going nuts. I couldn't imagine the scene just uh, you know, being a sparse fan like spread out, but like rooting and, and seeing that unfold. It, it was it was a true instant classic in my mind. That was a great game.
1: I like seeing that the Browns are good again. There was something just it's uh, different. It's new, it's a it's an interesting feel. I'm I kinda dig it. I like it.
2: Well, I'm sorry, but outside of uh, y- y- uh, Henry being in the league, I think Nick Chubb is the next best. We're talking about a third-year third player. That kid is a fucking phenom running back. He's, he's a beast.
0: Well, yep. speaking of the opposite of the best game ever, we had our Thursday night tilt uh, oh with God. the Patriots losing to the Rams 3-24. to uh, Cam Newton is hashtag really bad at the football.
1: Oh, my God. So that game, its and it's disappointing, that game, because aesthetically, game-wise, the uniform matchup is very pleasing. Those Patriots' (laughs) road uniforms against the Rams' uniforms in the new stadium, I thought, looked really good. And and so you're like, all right, let's get a good, good game going here. And the Patriots just weren't ready to go in this game at all. They were getting steamrolled from the get-go, and they went three and out, three and out, and the Rams were just run the ball all over them to start the game. They were up 10-0 before the blink of an eye, and it was like, this is Bill Belichick's team, right? Aren't Bill Belichick's team always ready to go? Didn't they stay in Los Angeles for the week so that they had the edge and they were going to be ready to go for this game? But they didn't. They weren't ready to go. They weren't ready to play. Cam Newton is continues to be played at quarterback for some reason. I do not know. Uh, they did finally put Stidham in the game late in the fourth quarter, but by then the game had already been decided. I think the Rams look like look like a fantastic team defensively. They look really strong. Donald had a couple sacks, but the one, the running game, Cam Akers. What I mean, they did what they did with Cam Akers this year. the The Rams they've been really high on him, but they've been slow to release him this year. And now as the season winds down. He's getting more and more and more of the workload and he looks fresh and ready to go. And so maybe McVay learned his lesson with Todd Gurley. Like, don't burn your running back out early in the season. Save your save your, your workhorse running back for late in the year because Cam Akers looked phenomenal. He looked like he was canning eight to ten to twelve yards a clip.
2: Yeah. We were talking 20, 29 attempts. That's a lot of load to stick on. But he, they had
1: been using Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown yeah. most of the year, and just yeah. easing Can Akers into the game. So maybe they he learned from burning Gurley out for a couple of years. But on the only the weakness, count. the only weakness I've seen for the Rams is Goff still tries to have moments where he looks like he wants to give the game away at times. You know, he had that interception early, early on in the second quarter, and. It looked like the Patriots returned it for a touchdown, but they called him down by contact on a really nice play there, which it was tough to tell. But it it was hard to rule or be angry about either way because it was such a close call. And you knew once the Patriots didn't get the touchdown there, and at that point, I think they were down 17-3. to so they got the ball and the interception, but they didn't get the return touchdown that they wanted. You knew that the Patriots weren't going to score there because they can't yeah. move the ball. They just can't move the ball at all. The offensively, it's like, I don't know, a 1940s offense, a high school offense with, like, the wing T. All they do is mm-hmm. run the ball, and it, if another team can figure out the running formations and how they're going to run it, then the Patriots have nowhere to go because they just can't pass the ball. They they just can't do it. It's It's obscene. And Cam Newton looks like he's trying to throw a can of paint or something. Like
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> his passes get batted Fair. down so Fair. often, it's like this guy is six foot six. How oh, is God. he getting passes batted down?
0: Ben's having a lot of batted passes right now too, and I don't know if it's something defenses are doing, if it's new technique or scheme or something that has, has taken fire, or maybe uh, Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger suck now. Uh, I, think,
2: I think I think it's both a reflection of a bad running game.
0: You
1: can come in straight up and hard.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's very true.
1: So as far as Patriots fans that were six and six going into this game and thought there was a path to the playoffs if they won their final four games, were rudely disappointed after this game. They are six and seven now, and they have a legit two percent chance of making the playoffs. They need a ton of things to go their way, including winning the remaining three of their games, which is highly unlikely. So good luck to that, I tell you. And now the Patriots are going to be stuck in purgatory, which is the last place you want to be because they're not going to get into the playoffs. They're not going to get a top 10 draft pick because they won too much. So now, great, you're stuck in the middle. Whee! Where do you want to be? Let's
0: be in the middle.
1: Does
2: a top 10 draft pick even become relevant for the Patriots anyway? Because Belichick's going to blow that anyway.
1: He'll trade it down. He'll trade it <laughs> down. Yeah. And then, and then he'll, yeah, he'll take some D2 safety from Lenore Ryan or some busted wide receiver. God knows he can't draft wide receiver. Or maybe he'll take Stoney Michelle before Lamar Jackson.
2: <laughs> or YouTube, or YouTube trickster football kicker.
1: Right. Oh, oh yeah. Or the uh, the who was that? They took the fifth round roar Bassler kicker, the white power kicker this yeah, year. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't make the team. Yeah. <laughs> the what's Rackles. it? The proud boys.
0: <laughs> well, another six and seven team here. The Vikings losing to Tampa Tommy, twenty six to fourteen. Tampa Tommy.
1: Not not a very interesting game here. Tampa Tom struggled early, but. He did end up throwing a late touchdown bomb to Scotty Miller to kind of open things up. But things still don't look right for Tampa, Tom, and the Tampa Bay offense. They're still flawed. I don't think they've sorted out their issues. I think they played a inferior opponent this week, and they pulled out the win. And the next three opponents are the Falcons, the Lions, and the Falcons. So there's a good chance that they finish the year 11-5, and five, and then they're going to have to play week one of the playoffs on the road. And if they don't get the five seed and have to play at the NFC East winner, then they're probably going to have to go to the Rams and play at the Rams in the first week of the playoffs. And that's not going to end well for them, I can't imagine. So, I, I don't know. I mean, did we – I think – what did you guys
2: expect this year? From the – I mean, from this team as a total? I, I...
1: Is 11-5 and five in a first-round playoff exit good enough? Well yeah.
0: – I think that I think that meets expectations, especially with no preseason, no chance to install. I think it is actually ex- exceeded expectations, even if they go eleven and five and uh, first round exit.
2: Okay, I think they're. I think I well. I think the organization was all in. I mean, you bring in Gronk, you bring in Tom Brady, and now in in week what six, you bring in seven, you bring in. Antonio Brown, because the the Super Bowl is going to be in your backyard, and I think they wanted something greater than this. But what you hope for and what you get when it comes to reality, I, I think this is perfectly fine with what they're getting this year and what they're going to end up with.
1: Yeah, I mean they've wanted they've only made the playoffs once in the last seventeen years, so right. I mean right. you got to start somewhere, and it's a two year process. I think is what they were they were banking on, so. Eleven and five. You're probably right. Is a good step. I'm sure that Tom Brady will be disappointed because, obviously, Super Bowls are his thing. But the,
0: the standard is the standard. Well, right. I mean,
1: this, this team hasn't seen more than a two-game losing streak,
2: right, Johnny? I mean, they've they've battled back and they've learned each week and, and, and gotten got the win. It just doesn't look and right, and hey, But that, I mean, you're you're changing uh, years of tradition. I know of losing. And, and I, think, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think they're moving the right way. And I think the defense has the right components to build you because that's where you win championships is with your defense. I think the offensive components are there. It's just going to take time.
0: All right, next up we have the Cardinals at the Giants. The Giants laying up a stinker, hu- hugely in part to uh, Reddick's performance, five mm. sacks, three forced fumbles. The Cardinals pull it out 26-7.
1: Nice uh, bounce-back game for the Cardinals here and kind of a step-back game for the Giants, who I think we're looking to extend their winning ways. Kyla Murray looked a little bit better in this game. Uh, he did have one nice pass in the end zone that was a great catch by Arnold, the tight end. If you were worried about his shoulder, I think you came away in this game feeling a little bit better about things going forward, but their schedule is tough going forward, so it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs, but... I think the odds are probably slightly in their favor to get that last seed, the seventh seed in the NFC. But for the Giants, it's a tough loss because it puts them a game behind the Redskins slash football team. But they do have the tiebreaker if they finish tied. So,
2: Two biggest divisions in my mind they are the biggest head scratchers being the NFC East and the NFC West, how this division is going to end up and who's going to be on top. But the one only losing team in the NFC East this week, that's, that's kind of cool.
0: <laughs> all right next up we have the Chiefs and Dolphins the Chiefs winning 33 to 27 but despite the Dolphins covering this game was never in danger of being lost by the Chiefs
1: I mean early on the the Dolphins hadn't a 10 nothing lead but then the Chiefs can just score so quickly you're right I mean so uh, would Mahomes throw two interceptions and had like a 30-yard sack Early on in this game, they were down 10 nothing to the Dolphins, and then the Chiefs just, like, snapped their fingers and scored three touchdowns, and you don't have to worry about anything anymore. And that's the magic of Mahomes and the Chiefs, and it's unfortunate that that's today's NFL, and that's what we're probably going to see for the next 10 years. It's
0: unfortunate. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm not sure how unfortunate it is. <laughs> unfortunate. I, I, actually, I actually really enjoy watching uh, him play football. It's, it's like one of those things where you see – you see a quarterback, Brett Fire. I felt this way about watching Brett Fire. It was just like a pleasure. To, it was a pleasure to watch him play the football.
1: It's unfortunate. Uh,
2: for me, it's like watching Tony Romo, but actually finishing.
0: <laughs>
2: if it makes sense, because he scrambles the same way, creative off the ball, but I don't know. It, it, he doesn't get so,
0: crushed. Just <laughs> get crushed
2: and take fourth. <laughs> And take four 30-yard sacks in the game. But Honestly, I thought if the Dolphins would have game planned this coming out of the second half in the third quarter and built towards something that schemed to at least one touchdown, which they went zero for in the third quarter, they could have had a chance at winning this game. This was a good game for Tua right here, and I, th- I thought they had a chance right there, but Yeah. Just unfortunately had nothing coming out in that third quarter for them offensively.
1: Well, and so the Dolphins are really lacking playmakers. So Gaskin, their starting running back, got announced out the day before. I think it was he was COVID list. And then they lost Devontae Parker uh before the game. And then in the game, Josecki, their great tight end, had two touchdowns, but now he's gonna be out of the game with a shoulder injury. So they are just decimated offensively. And yeah. Tua is still trying to figure it out on the fly. But when you're playing with playmakers like DeAndre Washington, Patrick Laird, and Lynn Bowden Jr., the rookie running back receiver, things aren't going to look great offensively unless Tua puts it all on his shoulders. So you're asking the defense to do a lot. Let me ask you guys a question about the Chiefs. The running game has become super stagnant in the last few weeks. Does that affect them at all? Going forward,
0: I don't think they need it. I think if other things start getting shut down, Andy Reid is smart enough to to figure to scheme a way to get to to jumpstart it. I just don't think they've needed to do that. It's yeah. everything else is just working fine.
2: You had sixteen attempts with Edwards Lair going in right there. No, nobody else besides Mahomes running for five times besides Hill going for one. Did they really focus whatsoever on the running game? I do think when it comes down, Johnny, to a very competitive game against a, an opponent in the playoffs, you got to find a way to mix it up, to draw those defensive in, to get that one or two big plays that you need offensively. I, I think they could you know, unconsciously lull themselves into something they don't want. Right. And, need to rely, and need to rely on something down the road. So I, I see where you're coming from definitely gonna be something to watch uh you know as the games come down the road but they're in cruise control right now andy reed and patrick mahomes just got to find a way as leaders of this team to keep everybody engaged ready to go when it,
1: when it means something so the steelers strength pa- defensive wise is their passing defense right
0: yeah when uh joe hayden can stay on the field
1: right so Obviously, they're missing some guys, but hopefully, a month from now, when they end up playing the Chiefs, or if they do play the Chiefs, that they're good to go, and hopefully, that's a good matchup for them. And hopefully J- the Chiefs, Johnny, Johnny, I don't I, know. with all
0: I don't due know. respect, I mean, this is the episode we just declared the Steelers the fraud of the week. I don't yeah. think we're having the conversation of I have them to find being a the way presumptive to take down
1: the Chiefs. Nesto, we have I'm trying to find a way.
0: Uh, well, I don't think Tennessee, I think Tennessee. Well, let's let's get into Tennessee, Tennessee headed into Jacksonville, did what we all thought they would. Uh, They ran the ball to the tune of 200 plus rushing yards, two touchdowns for the fourth time in his career. Derrick Henry, King Henry doing exactly uh, what you said he needed to do this week. Marty, Uh, the Titans win 31 to 10.
1: Should they be called the Jacksonville Henry's? Because he owns that team. It right. seems like every, they play twice a year, Tennessee and Jacksonville. And it seems like every time that Henry plays the Jaguars, it's 200 yards. Sometimes there's a 95-yard touchdown in there with multiple stiff arms. It just seems like his ownership is almost equal to Shad Khan's ownership of the Jaguars.
2: Yeah, I do know. I, I get it. I mean, you had, you had another ga- big game By Brown right there, but if you can't establish a run with this team to keep the blitzing and the scheme and that zone scheme off Tanner Hill I think as as a team you're getting a very serious problem with the Titans right now and they're very One-dimensional if you can keep everything within the box So this is something they really really got to look at if they want to be competitive come to playoff time
0: well, we had the Cowboys at the Bengals Cowboys uh, running away with one here, thirty to seven. I mean, the Bengals are a shell of an already bad team, so um, you know, good for the Cowboys. Good, good. Dalton's
1: uh, revenge. Yeah,
2: Dalton coming back. Moral victory. Yeah, but I mean, moral victory. You threw one hundred eighty-five yards with two TTS. You really put on a show. Yeah, that's Dalton's revenge. Take take a take a bow right there. You know. Elliott with 48 yards, Cooper with 81. Nothing really stands out from an offensive standpoint that you want to see. It was just a, you know, a broken down Bengals team coming in, a shell of itself, and the Cowboys taking the opportunity to win right there. But uh, I, I don't foresee much for the Cowboys even in the NFC East going out. I think this is really going to come down to the Giants or the Washington Football Team to win that division. I'm I'm already taking. Johnny, my Eagles with my bet with you out of that as well. I think they have fucking kind of given up in a lot of ways, even though they won this past week. But I don't know; it's, some, it's something to see, and we'll get we'll get to the Eagles here in a little bit.
0: All right. Well, speaking of another bad game, the Texans are just a, a bad. <laughs> I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Uh, Mr. Trubisky looked good in this game, and um, he's not so. Uh, the bears, <laughs> win are we sure about 36 that? to seven mid? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes. Just joking.
0: We, we are I, was about, sure I
2: was about to, I was going to give you some shit. If you're really going to go that leg. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going there. All right.
0: And the Chicago defense with seven sacks. I mean, again, the, the Texans are terrible, but, uh, Chicago showed that, up the- in this game.
2: Wow, that that was just such a fucking... I, I actually watched a little bit of this game after the 23-point shellacking that they put on in the first half.
1: Why would you watch any of this game? I have no idea.
2: Don't ask me. It was, I was on. I, I was actually working. It was on. I have no idea, uh, like, like whatever. But for only six points between two pe- two teams to be scored in the second half, I'm like, that was god-awful.
1: Montgomery Bro, had no. an 80-yard touchdown run. And Montgomery, he's really gotten it going for the running game lately. He seems really locked in. I mean, I... I'm, for the first year and a half of his career, I've been like, David Montgomery is eh, whatever. He's just a warm body to get you two yards. But in the last couple of weeks, he's putting something together. I don't know what's gotten into him.
2: All right. Maybe, so maybe he needs for, to
1: get checked for a P-test.
2: For the sake of discussion, you're talking about the six and seven Bears. They have any chance of
1: sneaking into a wild card spot, Johnny? Well, as a matter of fact, they do. Surprisingly enough. Because their schedule going forward, they obviously have a big game this week at Minnesota, because they are both six and seven at this moment in time. And one game behind the Arizona Cardinals, seven and six. So if they can pull out a win at Minnesota, which is doubtful, then they follow that up with a game at Jacksonville. And then they play a home game against Green Bay in week seventeen, which if the they Saints rest. Lose, yeah. if the Saints lose this week to the Chiefs, then the Packers can rest their guys in week 17 and not have to worry about Rodgers and the Devonte Adams or any of those guys. So there's a chance there's a, it's, I don't give it a big chance, but there's not a bad chance. I mean, there's at least for some a- percentage points here better than the Patriots chances of making the playoffs
0: for what but, a first round exit. Like, come on. Hey, if they're not going to do something. Cannot score points.
1: Hey, the, the NFC is the NFC man. Every team is flawed. <laughs> So, I mean, if you get into the into the playoffs, you could start something, right?
0: All right. Well, All right. Well,
1: you're, right uh, you're right. I don't even know why we're talking about it. Let's move on.
0: Next up, we have the Broncos at the Panthers. The Broncos winning 32-27. to 27. And the uh, Broncos Loc- can
1: make the playoffs if. <laughs>
0: uh, no. Drew Locke had a career-high four passing touchdowns. But fuck you, Johnny. That's not funny. <laughs> True.
2: I was like, we just, we just said we shouldn't talk about that last team. I'm like, here we go with this, these two teams. Why,
0: why? Here we go. All right. All right. Well, Russell Wilson had himself a nice bounce back game here. Uh, put up a couple points on the Jets. Uh, only a 37 point differential here, 40 to three.
1: I remember kicking my first puppy. Fun. Jamal Adams' revenge game. He sets the NFL record <laughs> for most sacks by a defensive back with eight and a half. All right. The Jets were involved. We can't. We're legally not allowed to say much more.
0: Okay. I'm not sure we're going to have much to say about this one, but the Colts at the Raiders. The Colts, uh, Colt 44, eight, and uh, the Raiders 27. Vegas losing three of their last four games uh, after starting Awful. their season six and three and if you count um, the
1: game against the jets then that's they've lost four of their last four <laughs> right
0: yeah I mean, that, yeah it yeah. should have been a loss
2: <laughs> true <laughs> i i think we went back like by week four week five and i told you johnny that the you know coming to week 13 the colts are going to be nine and four we wouldn't thought about it but this is a team that keep stepping up and winning big games. This is one, this is one, I don't, if I'm an an opponent going into the playoffs, I don't want to see this team because I don't even know what the hell you're going to get. I don't know what team's going to show up because they can just strike you all of a sudden and just surprise you in every way.
1: And he's alive. T.Y. Hilton is finally back. Yes, yes. T.Y. Hilton, who had been dormant for the last two years, the last three weeks is finally back to his old old self, putting up hundred yard games, multiple touchdown games, and apparently bought, he just had in. to have a.
0: Apparently he just had to have a conversation with his grandma.
1: Right? I mean, <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. it's, un, it's unreal, and I'm very thankful because he's helping me out a lot, and that's <laughs> why I like
0: Ty Hilton. Johnny, do you think Gruden's on the hot seat here?
1: No, because no. I don't. No, because I don't think that. I mean, when you look at expectations for the Raiders, right? I mean, reality versus expectations. I don't think that the expectations were, oh, much for the Raiders. I think that if they, you said they were on the fringe of making the playoffs, they would say, all right, we'll take it, right? Right. right? Yeah. But we'll speak- you're right. I mean, if they lose their last three games and they and so they'll – if they've lost six of the last seven and it should have really been seven of seven because of that Jets game, then maybe you open up that conversation because you don't want to finish on – a Terrible role like that, but uh, they're definitely lacking something. I mean, I know Jacobs has been hurt, but I and on and off the field, but I, I don't think that they focus on giving him the ball enough. Obviously, they don't push the ball downfield enough. And that, there's some changes that need to be made. But I think that that Marty's right on the flip side. As far as the Colts go, I think the credit should be given to them defensively, offensively. There's moments they look like they have it all. So,
0: Speaking of having it all, we had the Washington football team at the 49ers, the football team pulling it out 23 to 15, Washington getting two defensive touchdowns for the first time uh, since week 17 of 1997, so it's been quite a spell for them. Bro, I mean, how take, far take,
1: can this defense carry them? Take notice. Chase Young is a force
2: to be reckoned with for years. That kid is phenomenal.
1: So, I, I mean, I agree. Obviously, the defense is unbelievable, and Alex Smith is a game manager type who can go through a game and limit the mistakes and just give them an opportunity to win at the end of the game, and right now, that's is all they're asking for and that's what they're getting and good for them because it's been a long time since they've been any good or relevant. So I, I don't know what to expect from them going forward. I guess offensively they're just so challenged. But 50,
2: 57 yards challenge. That's, that was what Alex numbers were this past week. Uh, your, your offensive come back player of the year notably for what he's been through. And I think it was automatic even if he played half the season this year. He's mm. had great games. He's had mediocre games. But this offense is going to get them maybe the win in the division and on to the playoffs. It's not going, in my mind, get them a playoff win,
1: though. Well, but the defense is phenomenal. The defense yeah. is on their way. Right. And Antonio Gibson was out in this game, and he's been a big factor in the running game this year. So if they can, he's out with turf toe. If they can get him back healthy to, to get Peyton Barber out of there, then yeah, that'll help.
2: It's funny. Cause of our bet, I've been rooting for the Eagles to win. <laughs> and, and and for Alex Smith as an individual and somewhat of a hero, I've been rooting for him to win. So mm. I never thought in my life I'd root for Washington nor Philadelphia ever as a Cowboy fan in my life, but it is 2020 and it's unfucking thinkable, and here we are.
1: Yeah. Well I
2: like it too. I'm rooting for him too.
0: Unthinkable or not, the Eagles pulled out a shocker here. The Saints went into Philadelphia and not having not let up a hundred yard rusher in 52 games and the Saints let up two individual hundred yard rushers in Sanders and Jalen Hurts. Holy shit. They came in with a plan and they executed well. The Eagles pulled it out 24 to 21.
1: I think that the Saints just laid a stinker in this game and good for the Eagles for for playing well and good for Jalen hurts and Jalen hurts was 106 yards running the ball 167 yards passing. The dual threat is kind of built for today's NFL. So good to see him succeed. Um, I just think it was a bad day at the office for the saints. That's all.
2: Well, you go back to the the NFL draft and you're talking about the head scratcher of Jalen hurts being picked for this team with Carson Wentz at the helm. And here Mm. we go. So, you create this drama. You wanted this drama. So how are you going to deal with this drama? Come off season, when this shit goes downhill for you as a team, you don't make the playoffs again. Where do you go as a franchise? Do you do you shop? You know, Fire a coach. Well, he's going to be fired.
1: He's got to be He's got to be fired. Absolutely. Yeah, but they owe fifty-nine million dollars
0: to Carson West. <laughs> I know and nobody so, is going to want to take that on. Right. So, that's just my
2: thing so good thing he came in as a dual threat you put up almost 300 yards on the uh, with your legs and your arm but you are creating a shitstorm as a gm and as a head coach for this team so good luck with that
0: okay next up we had falcons chargers falcons fall 17 to 20 good good for justin herbert just getting a win i feel like that this kid has played uh better than his record shows so I'm glad he was pulling one out. Matty Ice is dead. We already knew that. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons move into a new era. Because what they had going on, what they came into the season with, is is just the decrepit corpse of a franchise that's been dead since they lost that Super Bowl. What was it? Three years ago now? Four years ago? Time is a vapor. Holy shit. Three. Three. Seven. 16.
2: 2016.
1: Four years. Yeah.
2: Not lost. Sweet. You gave that. You gave that game away. Yeah, but like you're correct. Matt Ice is somewhere at home trying on different jerseys and find out what color he looked best in. Because nope, I don't. Nope. I don't see him. I don't see <laughs> him as a Falcon next
1: year.
0: He's digging himself a shallow grave. Take him behind the shed and put him out of his misery.
1: Patriots will take him. Yeah. So <laughs> so 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 will the 49ers. Yeah, he's better than Cam Newton.
2: I'll tell you
0: that. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of better than Cam Newton, uh, Aaron Rodgers (laughs) clinches the NFC North just a little bit (laughs) with a a win against the Lions. I think one of the one of the most predictable wins of the entire year. You just knew they were going to come out and get the job done here.
1: Yeah, kind of a nightmare year for me all, all the way around. So 2020, you know, all the teams. That I despise win the Lakers, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Kansas City Chiefs, and now the NFL MVP race comes down to Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. It's like the two guys I've I've been not liked the the, I've liked the least the last ten years because they're a threat to Tom Brady and his legacy. So I root against them, and now I have no choice but to go with Aaron Rodgers just so it's not Mahomes, and it's just where we're
2: at. Johnny, is it safe to say you're not a state farm insurance
1: guy? No. No, I am not. <laughs> no, no discount, no double, no check. There you go. <laughs> no, good for the good for the Packers. I, I think. Good for them. A good they,
0: <laughs> they got a, was, they got a, good, a good thing going there. That. They got a a very likable team.
2: Fuck that. I hate Rodgers. He's not likable. He's, He's been likable oh, this year. He's been no, likable this year. Aaron Rodgers yeah.
0: is incredibly likable. I challenge you, and I think I've already told you this. I uh, or maybe it was no, it was uh, our buddy AJ. But I listened to the Pat McAfee podcast. Yeah, and he does Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, where Aaron Rodgers every week this season has given a twenty to forty minute interview. And it's like a candid with the boys discussion, right, and it's fucking all right. electric. All right. I never thought I'd say this, especially after having my heart ripped out in, uh, in 2010, 2011. But uh, I love Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's, well, like, he's, I, it's, I it's just, pers- do. it's personal I'm for sorry. me
2: too of him beating the Cowboys. Coming out dressed in a cowboy hat and boots and saying there's a new sheriff in town and that's fucking
0: awesome. What are you talking about? Fuck off. Fuck off. That is fucking awesome. And that is also the end of week 14. So Johnny. Please take us into week fifteen. Quickly. That was a lot we-
1: of games. There was I yeah. didn't realize beforehand that there was no buys, and then as we the games kept going and going and going and going and going, I'm like, wait a minute, why is it taking so long? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was taking so long because you guys wouldn't stop talking. So
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> let's kind get of the into- point of
2: the show. It no, okay. <laughs> <Let's laughs> <get> is <into laughs> week
1: fifteen. All right, let's make this quick as possible Thursday night we have the 4 and 9 Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders 7 and 6 in this game the Vegas Raiders are only a 3 point favorite and we are going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers plus 3 max 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 play 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 no no <laughs> no. no this is just a uh, i have a feeling play i have a feeling that the line is only 3 because a for a reason all right next up from Thursday, we go to Saturday. Saturday at 4.30 on the 19th, we have the 10-3 and 3 Bills at the Broncos. Denver is 5-8 and eight in this game. Buffalo is a six-point
0: favorite. And Battle of again, the Equine Animals.
1: Yes, once again, I am going to go with the funky underdog here. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos plus six in this spot. I'm taking that one. Yeah, Buffalo's off off of some feel-good wins, and they've been – for me buffalo has done a lot of traveling this year they've had to go to arizona they've you know they've had to go fly across country numerous times this year arizona twice as a matter of fact then they had that tough monday night game or sunday night game against the steelers now they got to go back to denver on a saturday game and I know the Broncos are no good, but we, like I've said all year, although they're no they're no good, we like the way that they play. So this is a perfect letdown spot for the bills. I still think they're gonna win the game. I just think it won't be by by seven or more. Uh, so I'm I like the Broncos here Broncos plus six. I'm pretty next. sure
2: I'm pretty sure with the storm they flew
1: out tonight too. okay, so they're there a little bit early. All right, next Saturday game this week is going to be the four and nine Carolina Panthers. At Green Bay Packers, 10-3, and fresh off their second consecutive NFC North title. In this game, Green Bay is a nine-point favorite. And without McCaffrey again in this game, I think the Panthers are kind of limping toward the finish line, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with the Packers to slam the door shut on the Panthers' season here. Green Bay, minus nine. Then, moving on to Sunday, the 20th, we have... The 8-5 and five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons, 4-9. Tampa Bay is a 5.5-point favorite in this game. In this game, I am going to go with Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, minus 5.5. Next up, 6-7 and seven, New England Patriots travel down to Miami, South Beach, where the Dolphins and Tua are 8-5. and five. The Dolphins are surprisingly only a 2.5-point favorite in this game. Makes you think, what's going on here? The Patriots gonna win. They never win in Miami, though. But it's it makes you makes you think that something's fishy here, and the Patriots might pull the upset. But I can't do it. I've seen the the way the Patriots play. John. Offensively, they stink. So I gotta go Miami minus two and a half.
0: John, rookie QBs are only seven and twenty one. I know. I know. Versus Bill Belichick.
1: But I Cam Newton. I can't bet with Cam Newton. I can't. Can That's I? Oof! That's a lot of cans of paint to throw to win. <laughs> it is. Julian Edelman might be back this week. He started practicing today, so that would help a little bit offensively, but it still doesn't help the fact that Cam can't throw. I'm not good with the Patriots. I never have been. I've, I never have been to get a good read on my own team. So I, I'm not really sure, but I, I'm going to go Miami minus two and a half. All righty. Uh, next Sunday game is the five and eight San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys four and nine. In the 90s, this would be the game of the year. In 2020, <laughs> this would be the worst game of the year. San Francisco is a three-point favorite here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're playing the Cowboys, but I'm going to go Cowboys plus three at home.
2: Taking the 49ers.
1: Probably smart. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Like, what do you? Who do? What do we know here? Right. We know both teams are not that good. So. I just
2: <laughs> rather go in. I just rather go into every game th- hoping and thinking they're going to lose, and at least they will surprise. Better draft
1: me. pick. Better draft yeah, pick. Right. I'm
2: going. I want to. I want to change
1: the culture, baby. Okay. Next up, five and eight Detroit Lions travel to Tennessee. Nine and four Tennessee Titans. I don't have a line on this game, guys. I got eleven on it. Minus eleven Titans. All right, Titans minus 11 against the Lions. There's no way I'm betting on the Titans here. The Titans have been Jekyll and Hyde this year. So I'm going to go Detroit plus 11. I don't know how, but I'm taking it.
0: <laughs> 11's a lot of points.
1: 11's a lot of points, exactly. All right, next up, the Texans, 4-9, and nine, play at the Colts, who are 9-4. and four. They just played two weeks ago, and the Colts won. I think the Colts will win again. But will they cover the 7.5-point spread? As a matter of fact, I think they will. Indy minus seven and a half. Mm -hmm. All right. Next, we have the six and seven Bears travel to Minnesota to face the six and seven Vikings clinging to hope for that last playoff spot. Minnesota is a three and a half point favorite. It's Montgomery time. It's Montgomery time, but it's also Dalvin Cook time. Yeah. This is a tricky one.
2: Who's going to do it better? This is a fucking coin flip.
0: Dalvin Cook.
1: I know who won the game earlier this year between these two teams.
2: Who's got the hotter girlfriend
1: for his head coach? Minnesota won 1930. <laughs> I know, right? That stud, fifty-eight-year-old Mike Zimmer, oh. Jesus. dating an Instagram model. <laughs> so yeah, based on the head coach situation and what he's got going on, we're gonna go with the yeah. six and seven,
0: the Vikings big dick here,
1: <laughs> minus three and a half. Big D energy right there. Yeah, the uh, hot hot sex model says Vikings (laughs) minus three and a half. Okay, next up we have nine and four. Russell Wilson Seahawks traveling to Washington to face the football team slash Redskins six and seven.
0: Not slash Redskins. It's just just football team.
1: It's almost over, Nesta.
0: 2004.
1: (laughs) He's, he gets a whole year with the Cleveland. Indians. Uh, he gets yeah, one year right with the, He gets one year with the Cleveland Indians. That's for me and the people that don't understand football team. You know, people that are listening and <laughs> they're like, "Wait, football team? What's he talking about?" Slash right. All right. So with the Russell Wilson at that team at the Washington, and Seattle is a five and a half point favorite in this game. That that to me seems a tad high, and I like the vibes of the football team slash Redskins. (laughs) He can't walk away from it. Right. I like the vibes of the football team. That's such a weird thing to say. So I'm going to go with the Washington football team, Washington plus five and a half. I think Seattle probably pulls it out late on a Russell Wilson miracle play, but I don't think that they run this shit. I think that's going to be a close game. (laughs) Moving on from the football team to whatever you call this team. The Jacksonville Jaguars, one and twelve at the Baltimore Ravens, who are eight and five in this game. The Ravens are a 12 and a half point favorite, but COVID has stricken the Ravens again, and their receiver room is in danger of missing the game. But they are playing the Jaguars. Do they even need receivers in this game? Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> so we're gonna go with the Ravens minus 12 and a half, even without wide receivers. Seriously, though, three wide receivers are on the COVID list for the Ravens, so they are hurting for certain. Thankfully, King Henry showed them the way last week. Just run, 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 right?
0: Against the Jets. Do.
1: All right, so, oh my God. From wh- one horrible team to the next horrible team, the horrible team. They should just call this the – like, the football team is the, is Washington. They should just call this the terrible team. All right, the Jets, 0-13. All at the L.A. Rams, 9-4. Oh, man, they got to fly all the way across the country for a game that they don't even want to play. In this game, <laughs> the Rams are a 17-point favorite, and guess what? It you're ain't taking, enough. you taking it. It ain't enough. Go Rams, <laughs> minus 17. <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, what are the Jets going to do offensively? If Seattle nothing. held it to three points, what, are the, what is the Rams' D going to hold them to? Nothing. All right, the Eagles are the next up, team next up. Four and eight and one are the Eagles this year. They travel to Arizona to face the seven and six Arizona Cardinals fighting for a playoff spot.
0: The battle of the uh, Oklahoma QBs.
1: Yes, you are right. Yes, the electric Oklahoma running dual threat QBs in this game. Arizona is a six and a half point favorite. I think the positive vibes will continue for the Eagles. Uh, I think that the Cardinals have been not exactly the second half of the season has been a little bit of a struggle for them. So I think that they'll win this game, but I think the Eagles will cover the six and a half here. So Philly plus six and a half in this game. Next up, we have the game of the week, potentially the game of the year. The 12 and one Kansas City Chiefs at the New Orleans Saints, 10 and three. Drew Brees today was designated to return from the IR with his rib injury. That should put him on track to play in the game Sunday. Into this game, we have Kansas City as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite is the early installment here. And I just can't see betting against the Chiefs. Um, The Saints don't allow 100-yard rushers. Usually, the Chiefs struggle to run the ball, so you're probably going to get a lot of Mahomes passing, you're probably going to get a lot of points in this game, especially if Breeze is playing, unless he's still kind of hurt. So it's that I half li-
2: point. It's that half, point. It's it's that that half three, point. If it was three, I'd probably take the Saints right there. It's that half point right there.
1: No, I mean, I mean, why would I bet against the Chiefs? They're, they're right. they've been they're easy money. just go KC minus three and a half. If, if they lose, well, you have made enough on them the last two years, so you'll be fine. <laughs> right Fair enough. All right, next up is the nine and four Cleveland Browns off a tough loss. They gotta to travel to New York at MetLife Stadium and face the New York Giants, who are five and eight fighting for their lives in the playoffs and Cleveland is a four and a half point favorite here. I'll go with the Browns to bounce back. I feel like the offensive line can is the strength of the team, and if they can rely on that, then they should be able to run the Giants into submission. So I'm going to go Cleveland minus four and a half here.
2: I don't know if I'd call it a bounce back there. Just I think they're going to be out for blood. They're just pissed off of losing that last game.
1: All right, and the Monday night potential game of the year. No, just just kidding. It's a it's a bounce back spot though. The eleven and two Steelers travel to Cincinnati to face the 210 and 1 Cincinnati Bengals and Brandon Allen in this game the Steelers are a 12 point favorite and That's we're going to Yeah, but we're going to go with the Steelers here because Brandon Allen is terrible. So even with the damage or, or kind of hurting Steelers defense, they should still be able to do what they want against the Cincinnati team and Brandon Allen. I don't think that they're going to be able to get much. So even if it's 27 to 10 you know that that covers the spread so um 24 to 7 something like that i could see it an under game most likely because the steelers offense has been struggling as well so i would assume this game goes under but i still like the steelers minus 12 here
0: in this game i need the steelers to run the ball and throw the ball deep i i need to see these two things happen james
1: connor's gotta get going
0: Yeah, I mean, the line needs to get going. If we could also get through a game without losing an offensive lineman, we were in our last game, we were on guys whose names I didn't know on the offensive line. So anytime you get into that territory, um, you're, you know, you're in real trouble. Um, Although I will say with Matt Filer being out, I think uh, the line moves in a direction it wouldn't have without injury with uh, Kevin Dodson being that force on on the front. And they had actually started running the ball, but then uh, he immediately got hurt. So it, it's just tough. <laughs> but that finishes up week 15 and this episode of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. So thanks to you, gentlemen. And thank you to Yo. everyone listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Do the things at... It actually really, really helps us get out there uh, when people search for sports podcasts, if there are likes and reviews and stuff like that. So we appreciate y'all for listening and have a good night, guys.
1: Later. Good night.